Welcome back to the FKT Podcast brought to you by Merrill Test Lab. I'm your host, Heather Anderson. Today we're chatting with Carl Zabi, who recently set an impressive supported FKT on the Pacific Crest Trail, taking six days off his previous PCT FKT set in 2016. Join us to hear about why he returned, the importance of mindset, and how he prepared for his FKT on less than 10 hours of training per week. Thank you, Meryl, for supporting not only this podcast, but the fastestknowntime.com website and the FKT community. Meryl invites you to put yourself and their new Skyfire 2 shoe, their newest, lightest, and fastest trail running shoe, to the test on your next adventure. It's available over at Meryl.com. So, Carl, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I really appreciate you making the time. Yeah. Yeah, for it's sure. Thanks for having me. It's been a couple weeks since we had dinner in Seattle. <laughs> but... Yeah, 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 yeah. Seems like a long time already, but yeah, yeah it was a Are good, good night. Are you feeling pretty settled back into yeah. life there? Yeah, I mean, it was extremely busy when I got back. So yeah, I got right back into work and everything. So I didn't even have time yeah. to really settle uh, so far. But yeah, I'm it sure will come like, in a couple of weeks. You know, a I lot think. of like I just talked to Nick Fowler. And, you know, now he's having his own adjustment periods, but there are problems. But I definitely feel like a lot of people like after something big like this most of us don't have to jump right back into a, a professional career yeah. you know yeah. and yeah. so it's uh yeah but for me yeah it's it's been getting better because like for my first pct back in 2016 i arrived at the canadian border i think on thursday friday saturday drove back to la Saturday flew back to Belgium, arrived on Sunday, oh, wow. and Monday was back to work. So <laughs> that was awful. And now, yeah, partly because we had, we took some days extra, and partly because I broke the record with a few days, we were able to spend a week in, in Seattle, and it was better yeah, to relax a little bit and before getting back to Belgium. Have a little buffer to decompress a little. Yeah, exactly. You just set a stunning time on the PCT support in 46 days. But this was actually your second time setting mm-hmm. the PCT supported yep. FKT. The first one was in 2016. So what prompted you to want to come back and do it again? So first of all, yeah, for me, and, and it's been even before I, I hiked the PCT, I knew a lot about uh, the trail and I just do it would be the perfect trail for me, knowing the United States a little bit, knowing California, Yosemite, places like that. And so, especially after running it and, and hiking it the first time in, in 2016, for sure, for me, it became the most incredible trail in the world. And so for me, running it in 2016 as an inexperienced runner, I was an experienced hiker, but not an experienced runner. Yeah, in short, it was it was a pretty total suffer fest. Um, yeah, the first 20 days went, went okay. And then it was 30 days of pain, sleep deprivation, suffering, things going wrong, losing time, stuff like that. Eventually breaking the record with, with a couple of hours. But my main reason to go back was, yeah, it felt like I wasn't able to enjoy the PCT in its fullest. I mean, it was an incredible experience, but running in pain all the time wasn't exactly my dream <laughs> coming through. And so, yeah, with my experience from the first PCT, from the Appalachian Trail, from running the length of the Alps from running Barkley a few times. I knew I was much stronger and, and much smarter when it comes to setting FKTs. And I knew I found the balance now 
between pushing hard, but being really able to enjoy it, like type one fun. And so I wanted to go back to the PCT, run it properly, enjoy it properly. And, and of course, suffer as well and, and push and, and have a hard time, but in a different way. Yeah. So that's my main reason uh, to go back. Yeah. And you mentioned, you know, these other long distance FKTs, the Via Alpina and, you know, the Appalachian Trail. And so, you know, in addition to obviously your PCT in 2016. So I'm curious, you know, what the evolution was, like, what did you do differently on this PCT with gear, logistics, you know, whatever, food? And how did these other things, did any of them, did they impact it at all? Like, Yeah, if, if I compare 2016 PCT with 2023, it's uh, like an entirely different approach, adventure. Yeah. So for one, back in 2016, I only had my brother-in-law supporting me. Uh, and now, yeah, we also still had only one vehicle, but we were four, mostly four uh, crew members. So that's a big difference. And then, yeah, running-wise, we were so much more efficient. I was taking so such good care of my feet because in 2016, I suffered so hard uh, with my feet. Nutrition-wise, I, I learned a ton during all my miles uh, I ran the last couple of years. Yeah, so, yeah, the difference was, was huge. One, one big difference was my approach to, to night running that I already changed for the AT. I started it on the AT because during the PCT, I kind of woke up all the time at sun, sunrise. Uh, but then that meant you always have to run at least one part of the day during the night because you don't have enough hours of, of daylight. And back then I was running the, the night sections in the evening, but I was tired. My feet started hurting. I slowed down tremendously and, and I ended up running past midnight, not being able to sleep enough, etc., etc. And so during the AT already, I started reversing that, starting before sunrise and finishing at about sunset. And that's mentally a huge difference to me, at least. I run in the dark when I'm fresh and, and my feet are fine. And usually around sunset, I would, I would arrive. And it was the same this time during the PCT. Only the last maybe 10 or, or 7 days, I started pushing a bit longer and, and I started running past sunset as well. Mm. Yeah, you know, that's something actually kind of interesting because I've always been wake up, you know, right before sunrise and then hike really late if I need to to get the miles. And and this year, you know, I was out obviously doing the state of Washington unsupported. We crossed paths out there mm -hmm. and uh, I started shifting my strategy the same way. Like I was much more willing to wake up at like two in the morning, you know, and then just stop at like 10 o'clock, like, you know, only go like an hour into the dark at night because it, it was, there was like something, there was like a mental aspect to it for sure to like be doing the darkness when you've just woken up. But also, yeah, like your body is just really tired. You're having a hard time picking your feet up and, you know, all of this in the evening. And yeah, I, I kind of came to that same conclusion. I was like, oh, I should have been doing this all along. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, you first after maybe three hours, you have sunrise, you're excited. Yeah. Then by, by 11 a.m., you're already halfway through the day. So that's a uh, motivation. Yeah, definitely. There's that. Definitely. I, I definitely noticed this when I was running ultras, you know, running 100 milers a long time ago. It's just like getting through the overnight hours because like as soon as you could just start to see dawn mm -hmm. you know it just was such a huge like mental boost you know like there's something energizing about going into the to the morning versus going into the night i'd like to know what what stood out to you about the trail or the experience like what was unique this time around versus 2016 
Yeah, I think the High Sierra was unique this year with its snow. And yeah, to me, what's in- interesting about the PCT is how adventurous it, it is. So from my opinion, the Appalachian Trail is pretty predictable because it's weather-wise, it's, it can be raining for a couple of days, but and the trails get, get muddy and, and really muddy, but that's all that's all fine. And pretty easily you can say, okay, I'm doing 50 miles every day and, and it, it will work out. But on the PCT, there's so much more going on. You have snow, you have crossings, you have forest fires and everything. So to me, again, in, in 2023, it's just the the adventurous part of, of the PCT that's so attractive to me. And, and that meant this year, especially the, the High Sierra, with its um, incredible uh, snowfall from last winter. Uh, and the fact that we could go in there uh, as a team. So my friend Henry and Kobe joined me uh, in the High Sierra at least the first two days. Because, yeah, the feedback I got from, from true hikers was so overwhelming in a negative way. Uh, nobody was, or hardly any people were actually going through the High Sierra this year. Uh, and they were saying, yeah, it's, it's impossible. Rivers are extremely high. The snow is impossible. It, it takes a whole day to hike five miles. Um, and so we decided to go in there together with, with the three of us with proper backpacks. And that was actually super exciting. And, and yeah, super nice to, to share that experience, to go over the high passes, across the snowfields, for the rivers together. So for me, that was definitely a highlight uh, this time. Yeah, it's interesting how like something that can be so challenging can also end up being, you know, one of the more memorable, you know, and highlights of, of a trip. And also because, yeah, I, I, you probably know the site postholler.com uh, that tracks snowfall in the High Sierra and I think also on the CDT and, and other places. Uh, but since January, February... The FKT was so doubtful that it was going to be able to yeah, happen. Um, and then those days where we were in the high mountains together, that was also the moment we finally realized, okay, I'm, I'm losing time, but it, it will still be possible. So we were super excited. The combination of stunning scenery and, and after six months of worrying about will it be possible or not, actually realizing, okay, we just crossed bear bear creek and we did it and and things like that so that was exciting yeah yeah was there a moment in that then those lead-up months when you're watching post holer and the snow is piling up like that you decided maybe you wouldn't do it this year like wh- how close did you come to canceling pretty close and and i must say it, it worried me a lot with some difficulty i was able to postpone it with uh, with one month it's difficult yeah as as you know i'm i'm a dentist and i have my dental practice so that we're talking about maybe 150 appointments that I need to replace to another time in the year. So that was difficult, but yeah, I had to, to do it uh, because one month earlier than it would have been end of story in, in the High Sierra. But not doing it, uh, I didn't consider because yeah, being supported, I had the friends, I had the flights booked, the rental car, everything. So it was pretty hard to to call it and, and to say, okay, this is not the year. And, and I'm pretty sure if I would say to my friends next year, I want to run to P- the PCT, that maybe I wouldn't find any any crew or any supporting friends. Because now two friends were reaching out to me saying, hey, you got something up this summer uh, because we are in between jobs or, or I'm quitting my job and, and I'm going to travel. Uh, so that's already a luxury if you can start with two good friends who are able to join you for two months. So yeah. Uh, but it worried me me a lot. Uh, like every two days, I was checking post holer, and then the snow was 
just piling up and then in, in spring only slowly melting. So it was a, yeah, not the best year to, to go for the FKT. No, I mean, and honestly, even, you know, Nick Fowler, who went southbound, you know, so it was there months after you were, or at least a month and a half after you were. One month, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And he still had issues with, well, he also had a hurricane, which was completely yeah. other, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's, it's just like one of those years where, you know, at this spring when I was watching it and I knew you were going to go after the FKT, I was like, what is he thinking? Like, this is a terrible yeah, yeah. year. And I, I, was, you know? I was thinking the same for myself. I was thinking, how, how stupid can I be? Because the one luxury you have when you go for a FKT is you decide when and where. And, and I was picking the wrong trail at the wrong time. But yeah, and then I was considering, yeah, should I go southbound or, but for me, it's, it's, yeah, it's necessary to go in the historic direction or at least, yeah, I, I give that importance, like on the Appalachian Trail as well, northbound it was, whatever the conditions, just because I find, yeah, historically people have been hiking northbound. It's, it's getting more popular now to go, to go southbound, but still 80% or 90% of the, of the hikers will go northbound and yeah, so, yeah, I think the the critical moment was like two days before getting into the High Sierra where, yeah, it was a combination of still hoping that the snow would melt fast and then realizing, okay, this is how it will be because in two days it's it's not going to disappear. And then luckily my friends uh, were able to join me and, and we, we went through it together, yeah. I also did the PCT in a, a very high snow year my first time around and I remember we had to have crampons and ice axes and we were camping right before the creeks so that we could ford them in the morning when they had lowered and you know were you having to employ like a lot of these like mountaineering type strategies so we had an ice axe we had crampons and we had to sleep uh, before a creek uh, to cross it in 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 the morning so timing wise we weren't able to to try to arrive somewhere in the morning because yeah you're just hiking 18 hours a day so there's no room yeah you just have to sleep uh, anyway so we couldn't really hit streams uh, when we wanted to, so we just had to hope for the best. Yeah, and then we did use uh, Andrew Skirka's alternates that he offers uh, for the creek. So basically, that means if it's impassable, you're at uh, a big creek t- at 2 p.m. You hike upstream, you cross it, you uh, at a meadow, uh, maybe half a mile upstream, you hike back down to the trail and and you continue. So yeah, it was time consuming at times, but at least it didn't stop us and and we were staying safe because. Yeah, honestly, I didn't want to to risk anything, and often the creeks were yeah too high to to comfortably cross, and I didn't want to risk uh, that. Yeah, I think that that's the thing people talk about: the snow, the snow, the snow. But really, it's the creeks that are absolutely terrifying. Like, it doesn't matter if you're walking on five feet of snow or fifteen feet of snow; it's kind of the same experience. But the creeks, yeah, the creeks are are dangerous and. I think it, it was even Nick Fowler who, who got carried away a couple couple of yards in, in Bear Creek, I think it was. Yeah, and then also, yeah, the snow in the morning with, with micro spikes, you can even run on, on the frozen snow, okay? From late morning, you begin post-holing post and, and it becomes a bit slower. Yeah, but I mean, I also turn it around to, to take pride in the fact that I set the record in, in a very difficult year and, and I'm proud of what I did and okay, maybe I could have done it better with another day or a day and a half, but that doesn't matter to me. I mean, I had the best time, the best experience out there. I had to dig deep to make it happen. I had to make smart decisions and yeah, I'm perfectly happy with how I was able to to hike the PCT this year. And now I don't feel any 
reason to go back for an FKT. I mean, for sure, I will hike it one day with my family. But I mean, even if it gets broken, because sometimes people think, yeah, it's because Timothy Olsen broke your record that you went back to, to reclaim it. But for me, the number one reason was to to properly run it and, and to give it everything with the knowledge I have now. And for sure, my record will be broken in the future. And I, I yeah, won't feel the, the need to go back uh, again to... Because I'm happy with what I what I did. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's the nature yeah. of FKT. Somebody will break it someday. Mm. You know. Yeah, but it's for about sure. you know your experience. That's what can't be changed. Nobody can take that. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. So we've talked a lot about the snow challenges, but now I'd like to kind of flip to the other end of the trail. You almost made it without fire closures and then i think yeah, the exactly. when we ran into each other was about the time that the northern pct was just closing 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 um can you talk about the fire closures like maybe mentally how they affected you can you talk a, a little bit about what the actual like detour ended up being like just how that all unfolded Starting and, and the months leading up to the PCT, we just knew, okay, things will happen and there will be detours. I mean, it's it's a 2,600-mile trail. You have so many miles in California that has seen droughts for the last couple of years. So we knew there was going to be at least one or, or two fires uh, or detours going on. But then, yeah, when you go into Oregon, still no fires. You pass Oregon, no fires. And then you think, okay, Washington, it, it rains quite a lot here. It, it should be fine. And then suddenly the smoke started coming first. And then eventually, yeah, there were two closures that, that happened and they were connected. So they were really close to each other. And so the PCTA created like an official detour around those closures. So basically it was a hundred mile detour for 50 miles of, of closed trail. So it added, it added one day to the record attempt. Of course, the moment I, I realized there was going to be a detour, yeah, I was sad because I felt like I'm getting so close to the border now and, and it would be so nice to, to not have detours. But then immediately after realizing, okay, this is, this is what's going to be necessary, I was happy that there was at least an official detour because sometimes the PCT just closes and, and they find no alternates. So I was more worried that the, the FKT attempt would end uh, 100 miles from the border instead of, yeah, okay, I, I did a detour now. Immediately after leaving the PCT, I realized, okay, the standard of this trail is <laughs> different than the PCT standard. Honestly, feeling like I was running Bartley at some times, just bushwhacking the whole the whole thing, the GPX not matching the actual situation on, on the terrain. And yeah, so that was interesting. Um, but that area is... is Super beautiful. We went to uh, the, the Lake Stehiken and, and the village. Holden, yeah. right? Holden and Stehiken, yeah. yeah. And where yeah. from Stehiken did it go? Over Purple Pass. Yeah, Purple, Purple Pass. Pass, okay. And then, yeah, and then down the, along the, which river, I, I forgot oh, the name. Oh, by the Twist River uh, down there. Yeah, Twist River. And then one more pass, and then you end up on Highway 20, I think it was. Yeah. So did you have to run a significant distance on the highway? No, two miles into a village and then back on the trail again. Yeah, and then west back to the to the back PCT. To PCT. Yeah. yeah, but it was it was challenging but beautiful, luckily. But as I said, yeah, my number one concern was not having the PCT entirely closed and having a, an alternate because when I ran it in 2016, I 
arrived at a place that didn't have any alternate and then the only thing you could do was drive around but it's not i mean it's official the official detour to to drive around but it it's it's not 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 nice because you want to walk every step and and so i was really happy that i was able to hike every single step this time i know what you mean about the trails like every time that there's a closure on the pct in washington i feel very bad for the pct hikers because the majority of Washington is extremely rugged and like very narrow overgrown trails. And especially up in that area, things don't match the maps. And and so like I, I when I did see that detour open for you, I was like, well, thank God there's a detour for him. But also <laughs> I felt really bad for you. I was like, this is, you know, you know, adding miles to your record attempt. But then also yeah. those miles particularly difficult miles. Yeah, yeah exactly. Although it is really beautiful back there and it's not a heavily traveled area. So you actually got to see a really nice little corner of Washington. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was I was happy and like for my crew, it was also a fun challenge because it's so remote. My my friend Henry hiked into me, but he had to take a boat first and then a bus and then hike through Holden, which is a, a village without any... There's nothing uh, there. Yeah, I mean, it's... There's it's, an yeah, ice there's cream shop. There. That's it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then hike another twenty miles to reach me, so it was an adventure just to get to, to me. But it was it was a, a fun part of the of the experience, yeah. But honestly, I was looking like I finished Barkley after after the detour. I mean, with with a proper long pants and and uh, taking it easy, it would be okay, I think. But trying to run in shorts, yeah, my legs were were torn. Yeah. Well, at least you weren't looking yeah. for books too. Just, yeah, exactly. Just, just got <laughs> and not running at night and not not sleeping. I was sleeping and things like that. So yeah, yeah. don't tell Laz about Washington. He'll have a second second <laughs> Barkley out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I know you mentioned that you wanted to come back, you know, to have a a, a better experience on the PCT. Obviously, that was your your goal. But did you set out with a specific time goal too? And if so, did you did you meet that time goal? I didn't really have a time goal. Because, yeah, I think since the Appalachian Trail, I think I have found my good approach of taking it day after day. So I do believe that in the past, records have been broken. And I gave the example with, with my own PCT in, in 2016, where you look too much to what has been done before you. So you think that's the limit. You try to do a little bit better and you break the record with only a few hours. And the AT is a perfect example, I think. Scott Jurek broke it, Jennifer Farr Davis, her record with three hours. And then Carl Meltzer, 10 hours, Joe McConaughey, 10 hours. And yeah, I've always, since running the AT, tried to just look at what's possible today and maximize that. And when you do that day after day, you're going to get the most out of your days and, and out of your runs. So I did think theoretically it would be possible to run it in, in 45 days, something, if everything would, would go right. But yeah, with the 50 extra miles, it took me yeah, another day. So I, I ran it in 46 days. But to me personally, that was kind of my, yeah, what I thought was possible for me without making it limit me. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to make the mistake again of believing uh, 45 days is the limit, whereas I would be able to do it in 44 days or something. Yeah. So I just take it day after day, maybe halfway through the day, my crew gives me two options of, okay, either you stop at, at, mile uh, 58 or at mile 63 and however I feel that day I'm going to say okay let's do 63 today but just maximizing every day uh, that's my my approach 
and I had no clue what what Timothy Olsen did during his record attempt. Um, uh, it didn't matter to yeah to know it or or to focus on it um, because yeah it's best to focus on on yourself and and what you can control uh, yourself. So yeah, that's always been kind of my mindset too. It's like you you know what the overall time is, but I don't try to sit there and match day to day like what somebody else is doing. Yeah, when you are getting tired, you're without no, realizing I think are going to start to believe that that's the best possible and try to do it better with a few hours whereas if you open everything up then you realize I mean I broke the record of the AT also with a bit over four days and now with a bit over five days just because I look what's possible for me that day and I do that day after day and uh, I think that's creating the best opportunities uh, for good records yeah <laughs> yeah and I think that's one of the nice things about FKTs because ultimately I mean you are competing against somebody else but really it's all about yourself and like pulling the best effort out of yourself, you know, because your the conditions, especially on a long trail like this, conditions will never be the same as like what the other person experienced. So you can only really focus on yourself. Yeah, exactly. And then also, yeah, like coming back to the fire detour and, and things like that, like a lot of people said, yeah, it's a pity that you had to do that detour and, and the record could have been better and, and things like that. But for the PCT, I mean, you want the adventure, like Nick Fowler is, is also, I mean, always stuff will happen. For me, it was a forest fire detour. For Nick, it was sitting in a cave for 35 something hours. So, I mean, as a PCT, it's it's such a long distance. I mean, there can be floodings, there can be whatever. And, and that's uh, why you do it, right? I mean, if I want predictability, I can run across the United States on the road and, and everything will be predictable, but right. will it be fun? I don't think right. so. so. Very, very different type of experience. <laughs> Not for me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It could be fun in a way, but not in the way I'm, I'm looking for adventures uh, nowadays, like in nature and, uh, and nice scenery. You mentioned your crew giving you options. You know, do you want to go this far or this far? Could you expand on that a little bit? Tell us about how like your crew and pacing system was structured. Like you said, you had one vehicle, but four people. And so, you know, maybe just walk us through the average day. Like how often were you alone and, and all of that? Like, how did that work out? So basically the crew was uh, my wife, Emma, my cousin, Anna, and then Kobe and Henry. And Kobe and Henry are good runners and hikers. So very strong, yeah, athletic guys. And so basically when we would have options like in the desert where you can easily do maybe three or four meetups uh, a day, I would start always with a longer section on my own, maybe 20, 30 miles. And then the second part of the day, they would try to join me for company to yeah to be able to talk about the experience to share the experience and that helped a lot and then as we gradually went northbound they settled more into their roles like Henry was mostly the guy who was hiking towards me uh, in the evenings to set up the tent so I would say 70% of the time we weren't sleeping at the car we were just yeah they they were hiking in and we we pitched our tent somewhere yeah because there are quite a few road crossings on the PCT, but always, uh, usually you have to decide between maybe 50 miles and 65 miles if you're sticking to road crossings. And maybe for that day, 65 would, would be extreme. 50 miles would be not enough. And so Henry would always hike to me so I could stay around 60 miles, sometimes push a little bit more and sometimes a little less. But that was a big luxury for me to have such a strong hiker. Like during the detour as well, he, he hiked 20 miles to meet me. 
just because I was feeling 63 miles for that day was going to be my upper limit. I was already going past sunset. And if I wouldn't have that option of such a good crew, I would need to hike past 63 miles. I would slow down. I would sleep less and, and things could get more difficult. And then, yeah, my wife was making sure I was always eating <laughs> and, and being well fed. And, and she found the things I, I would still like. But also during meetups, when I was changing socks or washing my feet, she was actually feeding me like, like a baby just so I could get in as, as much calories as possible. And then Anna was doing more, most of the logistics. She was driving around. She was, yeah, working out uh, part of the plans for the next couple of days. Uh, and then Kobe was the strong runner. He was running uh, most of the miles with me. Uh, I think eventually he ended up running a thousand miles or even a bit more. So that's, yeah, quite a lot of pacing. And also, yeah, for the company, it's it's so nice to... Yeah, to share the experience with, with friends. Back in 2016, I was running alone all the time. And eventually you start to focus on how much it's hurting and, and how tired you are. And when you're having company, you're, you're just chatting or, or you're running in silence for a couple of hours. But at least you, you have company and, and it's, it's a lot of fun. So, and then, yeah, the meetups shifted from the desert three, four times a night because I ran the, the desert in the night. And then we shifted to daytime routine in the in High Sierra. And then it ranged from no meetups during the day and just meeting in the evening for camping to maybe once a day, twice a day, dependent. Yeah. That seems like, I mean, that's a good amount of support, but it also seems very minimal at the same time. Yeah, I wanted it to be minimal as well. I mean, I didn't want to go down the trail with, with like an RV and... and a car and another car and then a film crew or whatever so it was all yeah for me it's important to have it pretty low-key and and just with with some really close people and and i mean it's just just running a trail you don't need <clears throat> that much to to do it and and if you have the right people then you can do much so so you mentioned your wife was in charge of keeping you fed what did you eat like what were what were your kind of your go-to's or is there anything that you ate that you will never eat again no, that was more in 2016. So since 2016, I haven't been able to eat peanut butter anymore. Okay, fair. Uh, yeah, I was a big fan of it starting out. And then maybe halfway in, I was like, yeah. <laughs> no more. Fed up with peanut butter, yeah. And even now, I, I smell it and I'm like, nope, uh, still not ready. <laughs> yeah. But this time it was okay. I tried to vary, uh, as I always do, keep it with, with normal food, uh, regular food with either water or, or some sports nutrition, but then, yeah, trying to eat all the time. So mm -hmm. I was pretty much able to stay on my weight. I mean, of course, I lost weight, uh, but mostly the first week or 10 days in the desert, I wasn't able to eat very well. So I quickly lost probably even 12 pounds or, or 14 pounds uh, in the first 10 days. Uh, and then I, I managed to to keep my weight and, and yeah, eat, eat a lot and... Yeah, the crew helped a lot as well. Like when Kobe or Henry was running with me, they were always asking, yeah, do you want a Snicker bar? Do you want the popcorn or something? Uh, and then eventually shifting into, here, Carl, have this Snicker bar and eat Doesn't this. Doesn't matter uh, if you want yeah. it, put this in your mouth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And then I'm like, yeah, no, I don't want it. And then I eat the Snicker bar and I'm like, yeah, it was time for a Snicker right, bar. <laughs> right, right. Uh, but yeah, so aiming for 9,000 calories a day, which means eating all the time. Which means, as a dentist, it's difficult to say, but drinking soda all the time. I, I counted the cans of soda and I ended up 
drinking, I think, 520 cans of soda. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> now, have you been to see the dentist since you got back? No, you not yet. Not yet. No. <laughs> I don't dare. I don't dare. I <laughs> sneakily take radiographs uh, in my own mouth, mouth and analyze before I share it with my colleagues, the, the fact that I might have some cavities. <laughs> yeah. But at least, at least this time, I, I actually brushed my teeth because in 2016, sometimes I was so tired. I remember my brother-in-law, after a couple of days, he would put like toothpaste on the toothbrush and give it to me and say, Carl, now it's time to brush your teeth. But I was so tired at the time. So uh, yeah, but I still need to do the checkup, but mentally I'm preparing for possibly some cavities. Yeah. I think that there are only a few of us in this world that understand being too tired to brush your teeth. Because I tell people yeah. that and they're just like, how are you too tired to brush your teeth? I'm like, no, it happens. <laughs> like, trust yeah, me. It, it can happen, yeah. I generally, like I had a lot of cavities as a child and then I stopped drinking soda because I realized how terrible it was. Yeah. And <laughs> never have had another cavity except after, I think I had it filled after my Appalachian Trail FKT. So I call it my FKT cavity because I got it somewhere between the PCT and the AT FKTs from just eating all the candy and being very lackadaisical about brushing my teeth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one of the other things, you know, kind of a different different pivot here, but you posted about this on Instagram and I know we talked about it a little bit when we had dinner, but I'm really curious about your training strategy. And I know everybody's going to find this really fascinating because Compared to what you might imagine, you had an extremely minimal training strategy for this. And so I was wondering if you could just kind of share with our listeners what your training strategy was for the PCT record. So basically, yeah, my training strategy was try to train as much as possible within the possibilities of combining it with uh, a job, with seeing my family, with yeah, at the time renovating a dental practice and, and preparing the move of a dental practice. So technically that meant I was only able to train, I think it was seven and a half hours a week or eight hours a week for the period between uh, running a Barclay Marathons and um, starting the PCT. So that's not a lot at all. But to me, it's so important to be mentally in a good place at the start of an FKT attempt because, I mean, for sure I had to cross my fingers not to get injured the first week or the first 10 days. But from then on, I, I would say 90% of it is mental. I mean, you're going to hurt. Your muscles are feeling like, yeah, they they want to stop working. But if you can overrule it mentally, then then you're good. And basically, if I would want to push more hours a week, I would either have difficulties at my job or at home, I wouldn't see my wife or, or little son anymore. And then I would be at the, at the Mexican border already mentally in a in a bad state, I would say having dug too deep already in my mental reserves. Uh, so I decided, okay, find middle ground. Trust on the fact that since 2016, I didn't stop running. So I've always had a high training load overall over the year. Two years after the PCT, I ran the AT. Then two years later or three years later, I, I ran the Alps. Now two years later, the PCT. I always training consistently, never getting injured. So I, I do have that to to rely on. And then basically trying to get the most out of those eight hours. So I was putting some more intensity, even though I wasn't going to use that during the PCT, but tried to get uh, some training load out of those eight hours. But yeah, to me, the primary reason to keep it at eight hours was mental stability and, and the balance in life. Yeah. yeah. So it wasn't possible for me to train more, uh, even though I, I would want to train more. But yeah. And then basically, yeah, you... Uh, I think I counted it. So 
I was able to train seven and a half for eight hours a week. So it's 14 times your weekly training load that you start running as you send, soon as you start the PCT. So every scientific study would say, okay, this person will get injured. But I do, yeah, yeah. I do have genetic advantages, I think, from the way my body is, is shaped and, and made. Uh, so I know I can do this thing very good. I, I can run day after day without feeling tired or, or uh, without getting injured. Uh, let me run a marathon in, in two hours and, and a half. Uh, I would get injured for sure. Uh, but running a PCT at uh, 58 miles a day, um, I'm, I'm not going to get injured. Uh, but the first seven to 10 days, I was a bit worried. Like it would make sense to get injured at that time with such a low training load going to seven times 14 hours a day. So yeah, 70, yeah, 100 hour weeks getting from eight hour <laughs> weeks. Right. Yeah. So you have to cross your fingers a little bit, but I do trust the process of, of being fit year after year and, and never really having a time that I'm not hiking or running or, or being outdoors. I mean, that makes a lot of sense when you're consistently active. I mean, you, you, your body is sort of maintaining a base of fitness. And, you know, I always tell people, I was like, it's better to show up at the start of a trail or even to a race, like slightly undertrained, but not injured and resilient. And I think a lot of what you're talking about is that resiliency, especially mentally resilient. You don't want to be burnt out when you show up, you know? Yeah, exactly. And with, with small issues left and right on, on a knee or an ankle or whatever. Right. Uh, no, so I was 100% fit at the start, 100% ready for the adventure with so much excitement to go for it. So that's what I needed. And even four hours more, making it 12 hours a week would have been too much for me at the time. Either I would have discussions with my friends at work that I wasn't present enough for to help out with renovation and or at home yeah it would be sad to see my son only a few times a, a week or whatever so, right yeah I had to be a bit creative yeah well it paid off yeah <laughs> congratulations again and thank you so much for coming on the show today you're welcome it's, it's always nice to talk about PCT and FKTs and, and uh, adventures. So uh, I'm still enjoying what, what happened. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure we could talk for hours. <laughs> Thanks again, Carl, for coming on the show. You can read about his FKTs on the website, fastestknowntime.com, and follow his adventures on Instagram at Carl Sabi. Thanks again to Merrill Test Lab for supporting the show. Be sure to check out their new Skyfire 2 shoe at merrill.com. <laughs>